Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey there, O'Toole. I am so excited about our movie Brooklyn this week, but wanted to start with a couple of uh, interesting things around the Academy Awards. And I've been wondering if you've been following this whole drama about once again the awards not bringing any people of color into uh, the awards. And the hashtags and the Oscars still so white. And yeah. Um, yes, despite the concerted efforts by Sheldon Isaacs, the head of the Academy. Who happens to be black, by the way. The first African-American yes. and only the third woman. Hello. The first exactly. having been Betty Davis. And, you know, invited Chris Rock to be the presenter again <laughs> and has tried to make the voters more diverse. And yes. Well, you know, Chris Rock has been one of the people at the forefront of, I, I think part of the outrage, by the way, was about Will Smith. And as you know, I loved Concussion, and I felt Will Smith was definitely somebody who should have been a contender in the Best Actor category, by the virtue of the fact that there were a number of people who, who really sort of deserved to be there. But the new data's out, and it's worse than I thought it was. I, I had given some stats in our last podcast, and I just want to put it out there, 94% of the Academy is Caucasian, and more than 70% are male. At any rate, something's wrong with the Academy, and they definitely need to look at, at their recruiting and how they let people in, because at this particular moment in time, the stats are so much different than their stats in terms of people in Hollywood who are directing and acting and everything else, that it doesn't make any sense. This was a statistic that struck me. Did you know that Brad Pitt has more Oscar nominations than Ridley Scott? And Ridley Scott was not nominated this year for Best Director, even though The Martian was nominated for Best film. Steven Spielberg was not nominated for Best Director this year. I know, which is amazing. I mean, you know, Bridge of Spies was really well directed. I, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, there are, there are the darlings of the Academy and those that are not. And Michael Moore, by the way, wasn't, wasn't nominated. Everybody thought he was going to be. I don't, I don't know, but I can tell you this. There's a, it's growing. Like last year it was out there. This year it's bigger. People are starting to say they're not going to go. And if, if that starts to happen, I do think that it'll take a hit. You know, I do. So anyway, just wanted to put that out there and say, um, you know, I'm glad people are at least speaking their minds and we'll see what happens. Okay. And then we have to, I have to <laughs> have to talk about, we have a, a follower who's, you know, who's very, um, Kathleen, who is also known as Pink Man Cat on Twitter, for example. And she brought up that we'd left out, we've never really discussed Inside Out, which, by the way, is Michelle Obama's favorite movie of the year, last year. And she says, um, Inside Out should take home anything it's nominated for. As quite the psychology nerd who was cackling while the characters were going through the stages of abstraction. So funny, so smart. I can just think of a thousand reasons why this movie made a positive impact and had a great message with a smart story that was well executed. Lewis Black is anger, question mark. Can you ask for anything more? So I think we're going to take a look at that movie. You who didn't want to see the Peanuts movie is volunteering now to see an animated movie? I'm sorry, but... <laughs> The maybe power she of just man cat. maybe she piqued my interest with a more intellectual approach to it than you did, oh girlfriend. <laughs> you didn't so, even give me a chance to I know. you know advocate <laughs> for a yeah. comic strip that unified the country. But I definitely applaud the story behind Inside Out. Well, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to watch it and I'm going to comment on it next week. And I'm glad that she brought it up as something that should be considered because we've never even talked about it. And it was nominated for Best 
animated movie and best original screenplay. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll take a look at it. I will take a look at it. We'll talk about it for sure. Here's one other thing I didn't realize when the Oscar nominations were announced. There do is... tell, do tell. <laughs> okay, here we go. There is an independent house called A24. It's only been around for three years. They distribute movies and they produce movies. They received seven Oscar nominations. I didn't realize that these three movies all came from the same indie house. Room, Ex Machina, and the documentary Amy, about Amy Winehouse, of course. Huh. I mean, is that an mm. impressive slate of films for an indie house well, or what? Yeah, for an indie house, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm away to America. My sister Rose arranged it. I can't buy you a future. I can't buy you the kind of life you need. But you'll come see me there one day. Yes. Passport, please. Step this way. Next, please. We are very excited with our partnership uh, with LitLovers.com, and we, once a month, compare a book and a movie. Uh, LitLovers.com is for book clubs all over America. It has a huge following. And this month, we are reviewing today Brooklyn, the movie. LitLovers.com has told us that this is one of the most, most, most clicked on books. The acclaimed novel by the Irish novelist Colin Tobin. <laughs> I know, right? Who also okay. wrote The Masters. Yep. Ireland, of course, has such a proud literary heritage. As Colin right. Tobin himself said, you can't throw a stone in Ireland without hitting a novelist. There you go. Okay, so after seeing the movie, I went to the book. And there's always, you know, I have to sort of state that up front because there's always that juxtaposition of whichever one you see first, you see first, and you see it. And then you all of a sudden, when you read the book, I saw her in that part and him in that part. I mean, I loved this movie. Did you love the movie? I loved the I movie. Know. I and you were, didn't even want to go. I'm so I excited. Know. I resisted this I movie. Know you did. And I don't know if you were doing a little reverse psychology on me when first you suggested we review the Showtime, the new show Billions, starring Damian Lewis and I'm Paul Giamatti. I'm going to talk Giamatti. about that later, by the way. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, I watched the trailer to Billions and I saw the opening scene and, you know, I called you and I I said, I, I just can't do it. And you said, how about Brooklyn? And I ran to Brooklyn like a cleanse. <laughs> I was blown away by the emotional honesty of this film. I thought it was so well done on every level. Not since Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt has my heart hurt so much during a film. And what is there about the Irish plight uh, in terms of their their love of family and 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 Catholicism and and hope and all of these things, what is there about it that just moves me that way? Didn't it remind you a little bit of Angela's Ashes? Well, you know, Angela's Ashes. There's so many things you can say about the plight of Ireland throughout the centuries, and this was right. certainly not a potato famine film. It was the 1950s. You got the sense for sure that she had to leave the country for economic opportunity, but it certainly didn't dwell in deprivation, and yet it did. It made me cry. This was one of the movies where the casting was so perfect oh my God. for every single character. And Saoirse Ronan, she is such a gifted actress. She was nominated, of course, when she played the 13-year-old creepy little sister to Kira Knightley in Atonement. And here... Her character 
is so different, but you could have turned the volume off in the movie theater and yep. just watching Absolutely. the expressiveness of her face. I could say she's homesick, she's sick sick, she's lovesick, she's she's elated, she's depressed, she's in mourning. The Okay, and did you fall in love with face. Emery Cohen? Who, by the way, you know, how he got to be play that role is shocking to me because he's very New York-y and just unbelievably urban in everything else I've ever looked at him for. I thought he broke my heart ten he times. He played, of course, Leo on the TV show uh-huh. Smash. And his exactly. face, he looks like a mix between Andrew McCarthy and Mickey Rourke. He was also in The Gambler, Dexter's The Gambler. There you go. Yes. I know. Every single actor did an amazing job. Donald Gleason, who played the Irish love interest. Do you remember, I have to just hand it over to the Hamptons International Film Festival again. A couple years ago when we were there, they named him as one of the young actors to watch. I think they're absolutely right. Unbelievably great. He's starring in Ex Machina, The Revenant, Harry Potter, and Star Wars. I mean, did they get that right again or what? They did. They did. But also, you know, were you sure which one she was going to choose all the way through? I was not. I thought that was a cliffhanger. Till the cows come home. I could talk about which choice would you have made? Is that the choice you really think she would have made? I feel like we're Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal in When Harry Met Sally discussing Casablanca. And would she have really given up Bogart for Victor Laszlo? It was so capably adapted by Nick Hornby. I had forgotten he did the adaptation for the movie Wild. Oh, he did. I didn't know that. Oh my yes. gosh. And of okay. course he wrote An Education, which was a wonderful movie with Rosamund Pike from Gone Girl and Carrie Mulligan. You know, Hollister, I of course had to go and take a look at Nick Hornby's screenplay. Of course you did because you're such a show up. <laughs> so wait, so you saw the movie, read the book and read Apparently, the screenplay? I nice. resisted the movie and the book. Now I can't get enough of Brooklyn. Okay, can I just say, I feel like Ryan Gossing with Brad Pitt you know, remember it, it, when the at the Golden Globes? Okay, all right. Which one are you? You're Ryan yes, Gosling. So yes, when, when Ryan Gosling says to Brad Pitt, "Yeah, sure, of course." Now you're trying to make me look bad. You're the guy who, you know, and once again, you have done more due diligence than I have. So tell me about the screenplay. <laughs> well, I'm I really find this interesting that Nick Hornby himself is a novelist, and his own novels have been adapted for the screen, such as About a Boy. So he's familiar with the process on both ends. You know what else is interesting about? him is um he's not irish catholic no he's not (laughs) how can you possibly write that well how can you write i mean frank mccourt he was telling his own story for him to write this well and have no knowledge base from it is unbelievably that colin tabin and nick hornby obviously they're both men and yet they've written such a wonderful female character exactly kudos to them both Maybe they, by the way, should be voting in the Academy. There you go. There you go. So I find this interesting. If you look at the very first page of the screenplay. The screenplay that I don't have, that one. (laughs) Okay, here, let me just read it to you. A quiet, working-class residential street in Ireland, early 1950s. It's morning, but it's still dark. One of the front doors opens, and out slips Ailish, early 20s, open-faced pretty without knowing it. She closes the door quietly behind her and walks quickly up the street. Open-faced pretty. That's a beautiful way to describe her, and that's exactly what Isn't she Isn't she? I mean, amazing. Okay. Yep. And on yep. the large screen, the camera loves Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. This just goes to show how quickly Nick Hornby gets you into the story and this wonderful conflict. 
the organic conflict. Okay, here we go. Exterior, Kelly Shop Street Day. Finally, there is weak daylight. Mary and Ailish wait while Miss Kelly finds her keys and opens the side door to her shop. This is clearly not a normal morning for Ailish. She has something on her mind. She watches Miss Kelly carefully, trying to judge the right moment to speak to her. The door opens. Mary walks into the shop, leaving Miss Kelly and Ailish bringing up the rear. Ailish suddenly, Miss Kelly, might I talk to you later? Miss Kelly, not if what you're going to say will cause trouble for me in some way or another. There's something wonderful, by the way, about reading uh, a screenplay, especially after you've seen the movie, I think. I enjoy it more after I've seen the movie because you realize what a wonderful job these actors did when you see the words on the script, how they brought alive these characters and inhabited them fully. There's so many things it shows you about the process of what happened. In this opening scene in the shop, you realize that Nettles Kelly treats the customers all so differently, where there's the haves and the have-nots and how people can be tortured in a small town and what she might be escaping from. It set it up beautifully. You know, it's the kind of movie that you can't leave behind after you've seen it. It sort of stays with you for a couple of days afterward. And Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that it does is it's such a tumultuous time for America and immigration such at the forefront of all news, et cetera. And to watch even, you know, these people coming through, you know, the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, coming through Ellis Island and the fear and the and and then when he says, welcome to America, I'm like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was so beautifully laid out and I thought it was perfectly scripted absolutely perfectly scripted and I thought there were subplots that were brilliantly laid out everything needed to be there everything was interesting and played played force and Mm -hmm. the love that she had with her sister and the complex love of her mother and her with her mother and the manipulation of the mother I mean it was just there wasn't anything missing it was unbelievably rich totally rich it's such they made it into a very universal story where I think everyone can relate to being torn between two worlds you really felt the push and the pull the things she was giving up the things that she might miss about her life back home in Ireland, what drew her to America. It was, um, again, just so emotionally honest. Even the scenes in the boarding house, I was thrilled to see Julie Walters nominated for two Oscars for educating Rita and playing Billy Elliot's mother. I mean, she was the friend in Mamma Mia!, And here she is playing the Irish boarding house lady. She so just absorbs herself into the characters that she's never recognizable as Julie Walters. And can I just say Father Flood made me believe in priests all over again. It made me remember why priests, you know, had, they don't have it now, but had the stature they had. What an amazing character. And he played it brilliantly. And you know? kudos to Jim Broadbent, my man from Le Weekend, and again, the Oscar winner for playing Judy Dench's husband in Iris, another gifted actor. Every single actor in this movie is so talented. All right. Did you have a favorite quote? I have to play it for you here. It was, <laughs> again, a scene in the boarding house where they're discussing buying nylons at the department store, and one of them invokes the Lord's name. They told you a date for the nylon sale yet, Hamish. Oh, dear God. I thank you to keep his name out of a conversation about nylons. 
I mean, those dinners just cracked me up. I was like, I just wanted to be at that table for sure. But mm-hmm. mine was Georgina, who said, try and remember that sometimes it's nice to meet people who don't know your auntie. You know, yes. so, you know, meaning mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to have a do-over, start-over, and where you get to be the person that you want to be. And then um, some of the best, best dialogue was at the table. And Patty says, you know, do you have sunglasses? And Ella says, no. And then Sheila says, well, you need sunglasses. I read that if you don't have them on the beach this year, people will talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Mrs. Coe says, and what will they say exactly, Sheila? And she says, that's the thing, Mrs. Coe. You never know because they never say it to your face. Okay, that, by the way... That is so true everywhere you... I, I just, there was just so much, so much. I loved the scene where Ailish played, of course, by Saoirse Ronan. She stops the older woman in the boarding house when she's brushing her teeth, and she says, can I ask you a question? Do you want to get married again? And when she looks yeah. her in the eye and says, no, I really want to be waiting for a <laughs> hall bathroom with you. But yeah. then, again, when she turned it around and she said, well, of course I want to get married again, and when I do, he'll probably be reading the I newspaper and I'll be craving these conversations here with you in the boarding house. Again, torn between these two worlds. It reminded me a little bit of my last year in high school. I was an exchange student and I remember we were coming back to America and people were trumpeting the program saying we were really promoting intercultural understanding. Yay, rah, rah. And one of my fellow exchange students turned to me and she said, you realize now they've ruined our lives. And I turned to her and I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And she goes, well, now we can never be completely happy in either country because we realize that there's this huge big world out there where you could have freshly baked rolls for breakfast. But if we were to stay in this new world, we'd probably wonder why nobody lets us sit on the grass. And I thought, <laughs> okay, it's, it's so true. The push and the pull of the new and the great adventure out there, which can be difficult versus what's familiar and secure, but can be suffocating back home. Yep, absolutely. 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 I loved, loved, loved that Ailish was a goody two shoes. But when it came right down to it, and the blonde girl that sort of came into her life, and she said, look, I'll let you walk me home, because I don't want to have to go home with her. Mm -hmm. You know, that she could go to that, you know, she could be a mean girl for five seconds. I loved that she was not just a goody two-shoes. And I also loved her body, and I loved her, the bathing suit scene, and I loved that she was just, you know, just a a sturdy girl from Ireland, you know? I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's so true that even characters who are antagonistic towards each other, they could also be so caring towards each other. You know, a scene that really moved me on a whole other level, too, was when Ailish volunteers at that soup kitchen for the Irish immigrants who built the bridges and tunnels of New York. I mean, I cried through half of the movie, but that was another crying moment for sure. the music in that scene. Irish music can be so plaintive. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. And I forgot to tell you, the thoughtful you is always bringing up music. This was a movie where I really heard the music. The music, by the way, in a lot of places was so perfect. As we know, music is the emotional language behind film and... Here's a little clip I want to play. It's Colm Tabin reading from his book, Brooklyn, and he actually sings part of it. Can anyone do this like the Irish? Irish noticed that two men had taken out fiddles and another a small accordion. They'd found a corner and were playing as a few others stood around and listened. Father Flood was moving about the hall with a notebook now, writing down names and addresses and nodding as old men spoke to him. After a while, it clapped his hands and called for silence. 
but it took a few minutes before I could get everyone's attention. I don't want to interrupt the proceedings, he said, but we'd like to thank a nice girl from Enniscorthy and two nice women from Arklow for their hard day's work. There was a round of applause. And as a way of thanking them, there's one great singer in this hall. We're delighted to see him this year again. He pointed to the man whom Eilish had mistaken for her father. He was sitting away from Eilish and Father Flood, but he stood up when his name was called and walked quietly towards them. He stood with his back to the wall so that everyone could see him. When Eilish looked up, the man was signalling to her. He wanted her, it seemed, to come and stand with him. It struck her for a second that he might want her to sing, so she shook her head, but he kept beckoning, and people began to turn and look at her. She felt she had no choice but to leave her seat and approach him. She could not think why he wanted her. He did not greet her or acknowledge her arrival, but closed his eyes and reached his hand towards hers and held it. The skin on the palm of his hand was soft. He gripped her hand tightly and began to move it in a faint circular motion as he started to sing. His voice was loud and strong and nasal. He pronounced each word carefully and slowly, building up a wildness, a ferocity in the way he treated the melody. It was only when he came to the chorus, however, that she understood the words. You have to eat a lot of potatoes and suffer a lot to be able to sing like that. <laughs> no, it's true. Something that was so well done in the book and the movie is bringing back the importance of letters. I was glad to see you finally got some letters from home today. I forgot to check. They'll still be there after dinner. Dear Eilish, it's hard for me to believe that you're reading this thousands of miles across the sea. Nowadays, in a world of Skype and FaceTime and Facebook, there's no longer the sense of really being distanced from those you've left behind. One of my New Year's resolutions this year, by the way, is to write a letter a month. I believe in the written word in a, on a piece of paper that people touch. So we can all bring that back. So maybe, maybe Brooklyn will help remind people that people are happy to receive letters. They are. And it was a wonderful way to process your life when you wrote back home and you were letting people know what you were up to. Yep. It's yep. almost like the equivalent of not eating while you're standing up, you know, but savoring your oh, food. Okay. There well, was that, yeah. that reflective element. I'm not and, quite sure I get that full connection, but you go right ahead. Maybe you should start writing me letters, O'Toole. I'm waiting for your monthly letter to me. Oh, well, it's not happening to you, but I do. I'm, I am making a mimic to write them. I know you're going to guess this, but guess which other recent movie this reminded me of in many ways. Don't tell me. Okay. Okay, tell me. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, because we're running out of time. I think you can really draw comparisons to the movie Carol. Oh, no. Yes, no, but hear me oh. out. Hear me out. They both take place in the 1950s. They both work in department stores. The more languorous pacing, perhaps because both were based on novels. Look, from my point of view, Carol had no soul. 
Carol was Ed Hopper in slow motion. I yes. mean, I, I did not think of Carol in the same vein at all. And I also don't think that not the character... Not even with the clothes and the no. cinematography. Well, I, you know, so, okay, well, if you want to be shallow about it, it, it came from the same era, but that's it. But the clothes played a huge part in her transformation. It was such a visual representation of how she was blossoming yeah, into this I, person yeah, with you know, confidence. I, and I think the character development in Brooklyn, for every single character in there... Mm-hmm. Um, was so well done. I, I just, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. And then, you know, what was really, really charming and was when Tony is walking, is walking with her up to meet his family and he's describing his younger brother and how they've all talked to him. And, you know, in other words, when you saw the incredible depth that went into the fact that she was coming to dinner by everybody trying to make it right and everything else, I just thought that was you know, again, it was a hurt your heart moment of beauty. It was just so, and he was so funny. That kid, didn't mm-hmm. you just want to, you just couldn't stop I laughing. Left, when he said, you know, we don't like the Irish and the father drags him out of the room by the oh ear and God. he has to come back in and apologize. People in my theater, they actually went, oh. No, it was lovely. Absolutely lovely. And I loved this sense of old fashioned romanticism with the courting rituals. Ailish, this is Jim Farrell. Great pleasure to meet you. Choosing between these two men where neither one was portrayed as a cad, where she's really choosing between two countries oh, and point. two ways good of point. life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the opposite of what I think of in 2016, where you're swiping left or right on Tinder. You know what? You know what you just said that <laughs> Well, I'm not sw- slipping right or left on Tinder, but if you want to say you are, you go right ahead, girlfriend. But you know what you just pointed out that I didn't even realize? When 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 the second man comes into her life, and again, we don't want to spoil this for people who haven't seen it, but when he comes into her life, there was this piece of me that was, wait, you're right, there was no cat in this. And there was this piece of me that was like anxious about, okay, somebody's going to do her wrong. Who's got, who's that person going to be, you know? And mm-hmm. the fact that nobody did, you know, I think it's, it's just was unbelievably lovely. So if you haven't seen this movie, don't wait. It needs to be seen in an enormous, ginormous theater. It does. It's just, you know, the cinematography, the, the views, you know, her, her face, you need to see her face as large as you can make it. Mm-hmm. So don't wait until it comes to Showtime or a home time or HBO time or whatever. Don't do it. See it in the theater. It definitely gave me that sense that I was watching a classic, a classic yeah, movie. Yeah, for sure. Really beautifully done. Now, I have to ask you, Hollister, do you think you would have made the same choice? Who, me? Mm-hmm. No, I would have found so, no. I would have found some bad boy somewhere else who's going to treat me like dog do, and that's who I would have chosen. Why do you think you could have made a choice between between two such lovely characters? Okay, I, think go I would ahead. have had to create a third choice. I might have chosen the other guy, but the same country she did. Well, you know what? Interesting. I and brought I him can't. back with me. Yeah, I I can't I can't speak for that, but um, but I will say that. No, would it be that I made those kinds of choices? But but also she deserved everything she got. And you know what? You reap what you sow. And so why don't we just leave everybody with that and hope that everybody takes a moment to watch Brooklyn. And let's hope it wins something. It's not up for anything, is it? Yes, it's up for three awards. Is one of them best film? Yes, it is. Okay, best. well, I don't know if it's best film category, but I will tell you that I oh, loved it, loved it, loved it. I think it, it deserves it. to be their best motion oh picture God, of the year. Oh, my God, look at you. Yep. Best performance by an actress, and Saoirse Ronan, I think, is so gifted. Yeah. And best adapted screenplay to Nick Hornby. Can't say enough. 
Go see it. See it before the Academy Awards so you can decide how you want to vote. And I'm going to make a little prediction here. She's going to wear black to the Academy Awards. That's you what think? I'm predicting. Yep. I'm predicting it here. You don't Pay think she's going to we'll borrow her I'm right. yellow dress from the movie? No, nope. <laughs> I think she's going to wear a simple black dress with a simple little bling, and she's going to look as lovely as she did in the film because I think she played herself. That's what I think, and I'm not, I'm not and I'm going to stand by it. I want her to be that woman. I absolutely do. Well, I know we're supposed to elevate our questions for her from what she's wearing on the red carpet, but oh, I you know what? I don't care. She's, I'm she's doing gonna it. She's going to wear a color. <laughs> I think exactly. she's going to wear a color. Okay, you know what? We made the bet here. All right, so see it if you haven't. Mm-hmm. I want to add here that I did. Preview Billions, the new program that's come out on Showtime, starring my very favorite... Damian Lewis? Yes, very good, very good, from... Homeland. So he came back from the dead. He's no longer hung. And here he, he came is. He back a little smarmier, I have to say. His lips well, are a little Well, you know cursed. what? If you want to look at him in a different way, you can say... He, uh, he'll do what it takes to get something done. But either way, the, I think it's a, I think the first episode, um, has a few problems, but it's going to make it because it's going to get better, better, better. Like they had a few trouble spots laying it out. Now it does start with an S and M scene, but really that's very minor to the whole plot of it all. Uh, I found it irritating. I, I knew you would. I couldn't yeah. tell if it was trying to be titillating, but it was just so gratuitous. I felt like I was watching Showtime trying to come up with what risque thing can they put on the air as the very first scene. Okay, well, can I just also say that anything that has Paul Giamatti in it, we have to see. Um, you think? Yeah, and by the way, he's excellent. I'm still recovering excellent. from his character in Sideways, where he stole from his mother. I guess <laughs> I'll have to do another cleanse and watch him be John Adams. But, you know, an actor who's in it, which makes me maybe want to go back and at least fast forward to her scenes, is Condola Rashad, Felicia Rashad's daughter and Debbie Allen's niece. I saw her in a play a couple years ago called Stick Fly, and she was phenomenal. Huh. Well, um, I don't know what I think about her yet, but I think the plot's going to be great. And I think this, this is the kind of show that's going to build, build, build. You know, I think it's going to get better, better, better with time. And so I am going to continue watching it and I'll keep you posted. And speaking of the theater, did you hear what Saoirse Ronan is up to these days? She's going to be starring in The Crucible on Broadway. It's her Broadway oh. debut. By the way, I love that play. And Ben okay. Whishaw is in it as well. The new Q uh, in the James Bond movies. Yep. Well, you know yep. what? People should get tickets now for sure. For sure, for now, sure. When I went to see Brooklyn, I don't know if you saw the same trailer where you saw it, but oh, this was just another heartbreaking moment. It was the trailer for the new Helen Mirren movie, Eye in the Sky, which I didn't realize stars Alan Rickman. I know. So there I, I was in the movie theater, and it was like Alan Rickman had come back to us. I read a very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this week, and it said, of all musical instruments, the cello is supposed to be closest to the human voice. And they said of all actors' voices, Alan Rickman's was the closest to the cello. Well, that's interesting. You know, huh. that rich, sumptuous Melodic. overtones. Yeah, he, yeah. Yes. He, it's like he sings when he sp- well when he spoke. He absolutely does. So. I mean, definitely such a recognizable yeah. voice. Yeah, exactly. And he even played the cello in Truly Madly Deeply, one of there, my favorite romantic films from 1990. Exactly. All right, so much, much ado, much ado, and um, we'll see you all next week, and thanks for listening. 